Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hold on to your butt. Come on, sucker. Let's get it on. Oh, you want to fight? You want to fight? I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. You don't know anybody named Iris? I don't know nobody named Iris. Can I have a piece of toast? I don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Western demands. How could you do this to me? Blit, I want to know. Why did you do that? What you feel only matters to you. Step back for one minute and look at the big picture. And that's all. No, no, not for the real fire. The orphans bond a family that very few can understand. What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I am your co-host Iris and I'm here with my older brother Wesley. Today we're discussing Amazon original Sound of Metal. I'm positive you watched The Sound of Metal with subtitles. I don't know if they were forced subtitles otherwise. I know that the sign language scenes, when Ruben first finds himself in the, I guess it's sober facility, weren't subtitled. And that was to place the viewer outside of their comfort zone perspective for those of us who can hear. Oh, so annoying. It's annoying in an effective way as long as you come to that realization, right? Right, which I did. I was like, all right, I get it, but... I'm not a character in the film. I'm I'm supposed to have, I should have dramatic irony. I should know what everyone's saying. So I assume that's what they were trying to achieve, but I was still pretty annoyed. I was like, just give me, just let me know what they're saying. We are at times subjected to what Ruben is experiencing as he goes through his hearing loss journey. You wonder if the frustration that came for a lot of people from this movie is part of the enjoyment In the same way that, and not making a direct comparison, but you know what I mean? If horror films are horrifying, also people find that enjoyable, that scared, thrilled feeling. Does this frustration add to your, maybe not enjoyment, but appreciation of the plight of hearing impaired people? In a horror film, it's fun because you're not in it, right? Like it's fun because you're experiencing it from the safety of your own living room. Is it fun to experience hearing loss without it actually afflicting you? <laughs> well, I don't I don't mean to laugh, <laughs> but I'm thinking obviously of movies where 
movies are an audio-visual medium. Silence of the Lambs, when the lights go out, when Buffalo Bill is doing his thing, you're like, come on. It's very frustrating to lose your, your footing visually in a movie. I guess there were sounds when Ruben was doing his thing. It wasn't complete and total silence because whenever that happens in a movie theater, you sort of are aware of other people around you and you look around like, uh, this is awkward until the movie goes back to entertaining you. I was glad. <laughs> Let me just say that I was glad that the sound dropped off when they were performing in the nightclubs because their music sucked. <laughs> Apparently, Olivia Cook did her own singing and guitar playing, which maybe wasn't, I mean, but that's kind of metal, man. That's rock and roll. But also, Riz Ahmed was not a drummer. He's a rapper. That dude spent six months learning to drum so he could lose his hearing and not drum anymore. Oh, wow. And he also learned to sign. He learned ASL. Right. So that's very detailed and involved, especially for someone who's not necessarily a career actor. He's been around for a while, but he's primarily known as a rapper and he's British and Olivia Cooker British. Cut him some slack. Oh, man, he's British. Both of them. And to hear them talk, it's like, man. And it made me wonder, like, can he use those basic skills that he learned for American Sign Language and go home in Britain or is British Sign Language different? I'm ashamed it, to say I don't know. I mean, I think it's di different because ASL, I mean, stands for American Sign Language. And I don't think it's I don't think it's universal, but I'm I'm impressed with his commitment to this role. I'm impressed with his performance. I don't really remember him from Rogue One, but I do remember liking him in The Night Of. And I feel like he's he's given me some pretty compelling performances. Uh, I'm ashamed to say this is my first experience with Riz Ahmed. And, and as such, when you get a strong performance from someone who doesn't look like, oh, he was a rock guy who actually lost his hearing and that's why we cast him, but rather someone who has to immerse themselves, learn the trade, and then really act it out, I was happy for that. Because I didn't recognize Olivia Cook until about halfway through, maybe. The eyebrows messed it up. Kind of jarring. But Riz Ahmed, I didn't know him, and so he, I was... Wait, the eyebrows, you mean... Hers, her eyebrows were bleached, right? Right, until the end. That was part of her transformation. No, they were bleached at the end. Nope. It, was, it wasn't until the end that I noticed they were bleached. Nope. When women undergo transformations in movies, they cut their hair all short, and then they change their eyebrows. <laughs> I don't know. Well, because they get practical. I, I guess. Whatever. She was as committed as he was. I thought her accent was flawless. I've seen her in a couple movies now where she does a convincing American accent. So much so that when she speaks, I'm like, that's fake, right? But it's not. I guess all that to say that I appreciate their performances in a movie where they were going through this experience it's an experiential movie in that we're going along with Ruben. First he hears and he's in a crappy metal band and all of a sudden he gets the ringing in his ears and it's gone. And we follow his journey with no basis or familiarity, no foreshadowing, no omniscience hmm. and are forced to experience the twists and turns and whether he not or not he's going to get his cochlear implant whether or not it's going to work in the way he expected and when it doesn't it's like i went through all that for this didn't anybody brief him to tell him it's going to be different i understand you may be coming at this from a musician perspective and you want to resume your life as before but it may not work that way all mm -hmm. the sounds that you were your brain was able to uh, interpret individually are now going to be cacophonous and much more difficult to separate and process we saw the story through Ruben's eyes and we heard 
there were a lot of times we were just hearing through his ears. We don't know any more what things sound like to a deaf or hearing impaired person than we do what dinosaurs sounded like when Steven Spielberg's team got together and processed whale sounds and dolphin sounds and tiger sounds. <laughs> and bus sounds. Right. And so those are now what dinosaurs sound like. Yes, but there are plenty of deaf people or partially deaf people who were once hearing who can kind of come back and tell us, you know, what it's like or how it's different. So it's not like it's, <laughs> they're not pre, they're not like pre extinct people. Well, they, they have nothing to compare it to because they wouldn't be able to hear the mix in this movie and be like, that's exactly what it sounds like. I don't, I don't know. And look, they can it, describe it. Right. And so these limitations and, and butting up against things that are inaccessible is not funny. Obviously, we I think we should clarify our connection with hearing impaired people. Sure. Um, Mom is hearing impaired and has been since birth. I guess it's a nerve issue where they didn't quite grow all the way. And dad has become hearing impaired because of age and I guess other factors. But we've grown our entire life accounting for mom's hearing being a little bit less. Whole lives. But in different ways. Netflix and Prime in mom's later years are a huge deal because everything is subtitled. Right. We grew up with mom watching foreign films because she could count on the subtitles. So she had her Japanese show. And I'm not sure at what point I started watching movies exclusively with closed captions. But I'm, I, I have to imagine that that has to do with having grown up and seeing them constantly. Yeah, some people say it's horrible. Now, it's nice, of course, to have the option, but I think it adds another layer. It helps with certain things that you don't catch when maybe your your hearing was focused somewhere else. I like having it on not all the time. It depends on, on what kind of movie we're getting. In this movie, we were stripped of it at the parts where we, you know, we were, wanted to understand, just like Ruben wanted to understand what a whole dinner conversation was about, had no clue, and that was effective in the way that it was executed, if a little bit frustrating. But we've learned our entire lives to face mom specifically, not necessarily make eye contact, but so, so that she can read our mouths in conjunction with our voices because she can hear, uh, just not, you know, as well as a lot of people. And at the same time, you and I have also developed voices that would allow us to get away with not letting mom hear us. Right. We've got two voices. We've got the projecting mom can hear us voice that I find myself using with the kids sometimes. And then we've got the under the radar voice where all we have to do is turn our head or put our mouth, our hands over our mouth. And then we've got secret code. Oh, I mean, for me, I barely even move my mouth. This sort of undercurrent is just below mom's general level of, of attention. Right. Especially if we don't make grandiose mouth gestures that she would pick up on. But she was also like our super interpreter where she would like decode all of the smack talking that the basketball players would, would throw down on the court. <laughs> You know? <laughs> I, I don't remember that. What I do know is that in a very crowded room where it's really loud, I can I can look at mom across the room and speak to her without actually making sounds. And she understands right. me. It's a unique thing that we grew up with. So I felt both close and entirely removed and ashamed because when they were, you know, what's your name? It's Ruben. And I don't have the, sa the sign specifically for Ruben yet. So I'm going to spell it out. We know the alphabet in ASL. I still couldn't keep up with any of that sign language. Oh, really? I felt very comfortable in that world. What did you I get? I got owl. You got owl. Yeah, owl, <laughs> well, owl, owl I kept up with. 
But in going along with the the journey of this movie, Kelly mentioned when What's-His-Nuts puts Ruben into his den, where he says, go into this room, and I didn't know what this room was, Ruben didn't know what this room was, and asks him to Sit. experience the silence, which is sort of like sensory deprivation, Kelly immediately piped up and she said, I would be so frustrated in a room like this because I would want to know why. He said, go into the room. And Ruben was like, okay, and went into the room and, and smashed his donut a bunch. And then he eventually came to terms, but I didn't even know why for a while. And then someone had mentioned it was for him to actually experience deafness where you cannot rely on any other stimuli and you have to be at peace with the silence or the absence of sensory input. He was frustrated and he was looking for answers to his problems instead of just sitting in the silence until he was forced to do so. Well, I would take it a step further. So I think that accepting his new condition was was a part of what I think the guy, Joe, wanted him to achieve in, in the room, in his office, I think he called it. But I think it's deeper than that. I think that, you know, what Joe was trying to help Ruben do was accept himself with his newfound deafness as part of himself. I was very comfortable in this world where there are people who are speaking sign language. This is not something that is new. I'm also very familiar with 12-step program. And when your sponsor tells you, go do something, you go and you do it. Maybe it's not always like no questions asked. There's certainly nothing against asking questions. But when you're an addict and you are so out of control, all you can kind of do is trust that someone who's gone before you might know a little bit better about what it is that you're experiencing. So I could totally understand why the Reuben character would be like, well, all right, if you say so, he, you know, he's not going to like it. He's going to rail against it in his own way. But I think Reuben, maybe like you, also kind of missed the point. It wasn't necessarily to experience deafness or silence, although that was part of it. I think it was trying to find a place where he can accept himself. First of all, you don't know where I'm going. Um, I'm saying that there are a lot of things like Ruben I didn't understand at first, but let us talk about the things that for me didn't exactly work. Okay. This movie, I believe that it's thrust and also from everything that the filmmakers or anybody involved has said after the experience has meant to be inclusive. When he goes to get his implant, despite his willingness to return, Joe says, oh, you're back. Oh, but you got surgery. You got to pack your bags and leave was more frustrating to me than anything because hmm. that felt discriminatory. And I voiced that concern to Kelly, who I don't know was completely on board. But at the same time, why are you making this dude? You've become extremely important to a lot of people here. Oh, but you got the surgery? Well, you're not one of us. Not one of us. Get out of here. We Well, we talked about this in The Way Back, where the chaplains or the dean of the school or whomever I forget don't give Ben Affleck a second chance. And you kind of have to be really boundaried about this when you're dealing with an addict. I don't know if this applies. What Kelly and I did agree on at the end of the movie was that hearing, for better or worse, is an asset. I, don't, I wouldn't guess that anybody, hearing impaired or otherwise, if they had a choice between being able to hear and adding one of the essential uh, sensory components to public life 
was stripped away, if you have the opportunity to keep it, to regain it, to enjoy it, absolutely 100%. Now, there are tricks in there in that mom has some hearing and she has been she has learned to maximize that hearing her other senses are refined she has hearing aids which help her along with the the uh, the reading the of lips but as soon as mom gets home she immediately takes off her hearing aids we took it all we brought them to our land an endless night ember hot and icy cold the rage of the earth we made this curse, carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see, we could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And I wondered if that was like the experience that Ruben had when he removed the cochlear yeah. implant, the, the, the magnets, I guess, at the end, because his brain was accustomed to processing a sound a certain way. I don't know if it was meant to feel jangly, discordant, and annoying. Is that how people with cochlear implants actually hear? Or mm-hmm. was that a representation of how frustrating it can be when it doesn't mm-hmm. match up to that to which you had been familiar before? There was that one viral video that went around a couple of years ago about the woman who hears for the first time and she just breaks down crying. And, you know, she had some congenital issue where she never heard. But the other the flip side of that story is, you know, what people with implants are hearing probably isn't like what we hear. By the way, was is the implant in his ear or is it in his brain? I think it's in his skull, and I couldn't exactly tell. Because of that distinctive scar that I've seen before, and the fact that he can attach them, it seems like by magnets, I think there's a plate imparted, and it may have something to do with bone conduction, but it may also be a metal which transmits a signal electronically directly to the brain. Whatever the case, it seemed that that could attach to his head by magnets, and maybe, in fact, what he hears is the sound of metal. (laughs) I mean, it was definitely very tinny and metallic-y sounding. It's a distinction that I hadn't sought to make until just now, whether or not, you know, that's what he actually hears or how he's processing it. My point is that hearing is an asset, for better or worse. I couldn't have imagined he would have regretted getting the surgery. The financial impact is something, something to consider. Mom has long complained about the prices of hearing aids, and nowadays you can get much better hearing aids, if much better applies to people with very limited hearing, but you can get Bluetooth hearing aids and all kinds of cool stuff that you can sync to your TV. It's just very expensive. Mom and Dad, who have had Kaiser Permanente for decades and decades, would never splash out 80 grand, if that's what it ended up being, for an implant that would help bypass the cochlea so that they could hear, especially at their ages. It might not be worth it. I don't know. I wonder if it would be worth it for dad. I mean, mom's had a lifetime of learning to adapt and she's very adept. But for Doug, like, I feel like it's a struggle just to get him to use his hearing aids, probably because they're so uncomfortable or because they don't approximate what 
you know, he was used to when he had his full hearing. I mean, I, I, I wonder if Bluetooth hearing aids that he can connect to an Apple TV or to his iPhone or his iPad might actually really benefit him. Uh, yeah. Start saving because you're not going to be able to pull that money out of dad. Ruben, the idea that he would be ostracized from a community that he had embraced became really important to a lot of people. And then he had an opportunity to change his position to literally better himself. He better enabled a deficiency that he had, you know, of something that he had, he had once enjoyed. And they were like, you're no longer a part of us. I was like, that is total crap. Very uh, frustrating. I agree that he adapted really well. It, I was unclear how much time had passed. I'm guessing it was about a year. But he picked up sign language. He endeared himself to those children, you know, became assimilated into that group, um, the sober living group. But what I think we were led to believe was that it was actually making a difference inside. And I, I think that he never let go of wanting his life back. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. That's a natural thing. I mean, it's denial is a huge part of the grieving process. And I think that the end of the movie was actually the beginning of of a grieving process that could be healing for Ruben. But it was, I mean, his heart wasn't in it. Like all life is about adapting to the changes, the vicissitudes of life, like you got to adapt. I mean, it's not lost on us that his transition into this frame of mind also cost him his home, his instruments, his livelihood, his passion, his focus, his spark, if you will. If it had gone the other way, and if he had, in addition to being deaf, lost another sense where he was no longer able to learn or he had no longer a desire to learn the ASL. If he couldn't see and he couldn't help the other kids, would Joe have been like, you doesn't, you doesn't fit here, you're out of here? Because that's what it sounds like to me. It sounds like it changed from exactly the ideal situation that Joe and his team could have benefited from, and then Ruben was out the door. Whereas he could have been a hearing asset of someone who was dedicated to helping those people, to living in that lifestyle, and to helping everybody. They were like, nope. I can't objectively say whether Joe's decision was right or wrong, but Joe's decision was consistent with Joe's philosophy for their sober living home. And it wasn't like Ruben didn't know that he was doing something kind of counter to what they were trying to foster. Yeah, he didn't tell him. Not only did he not tell him, but that wasn't Joe's problem. Joe's problem is was that Ruben's actions say to Ruben's peers that Reuben is not okay with who he is. Can't let go, can't let God. The whole <laughs> the whole purpose of them being there is to accept, you know, their condition as part of who who they are. Okay. What I'm saying is not that I had issues with Joe as a character or Joe's motivations as a person. Joe knew what he wanted or what was important to his community, even if it was in my eyes a little bit exclusive. My issue is the message that I got from Joe and that I think Ruben got from Joe was frustrating, was discriminatory, was contradictory. And I think that applies because when he went back to his hearing life and sought out Lou again and 
went to France, which was just another Babel-like impediment to his ability to communicate. I mean, the ASL wouldn't have helped him there anyway either. But he's walking around and then he makes the decision at the end to remove the hearing aids as though he were considering what Joe had said, that it mm -hmm. wasn't helpful to his life. And uh, a couple of interviewers have talked about the postscript for this movie or what would happen to these seemingly feeling very real characters after the movie cuts to black. And in my humble opinion, he and Lou were just kind of now on different paths and both right. had given up that old life because it wasn't really conducive to health as much as he was healthy physically, uh, you know, before all this started. I don't see them getting back together. I absolutely see him going back to Joe's little compound. And if he were on a boat in Titanic, he would have cast his cochlear implant device into the sea. And he took off the thing and he, he cut out the sound on the Parisian street. But what I, I couldn't get away from was the idea that hearing is a good thing. To not have it, there are many good things, and you can learn to recognize all the good things in the absence of hearing, but the idea of casting the ability to hear away was a very strange message for this movie. And I get that he may have found his truth. There is peace. He finally found his peace in the silence. But mm -hmm. I think that this movie was trying to suggest that he was better off not relying on it and i disagree with that message hmm. Jeez, touchy um <laughs> after ruben's hearing loss his whole mission is to get his hearing back and to maintain status quo in his life and i certainly don't blame ruben it's a big transition and all the more something that he'd want to hold on to if if in any way his sobriety was tenuous. I mean, he tells Lou, like, you saved my life. And she's like, you saved my life too. Like, of course he's going to want to get back to that life, right? So his whole mission in the movie is to get back to that life. He goes to France. He sees Lou. He realizes that that life is already gone. They're not really going to get it back. And at that point, he's able to accept what already had come to pass, that things were going to be different from here on out. And that is a 100% necessary step for Ruben to be able to uh, accept and embrace like his new life because the only way that you move forward is accepting the new conditions of your life no matter what change life throws your way. I don't know, man. I mean, think about Overeaters Anonymous or something. If Ruben was a big fat dude and he all of a sudden had a heart attack and they were like, well, you could go to a rehab facility, but you should probably, as your sponsor, I'm going to suggest that you go to a rehab facility for overweight people. And he was like, okay, it's about developing a healthier relationship with food. But also a byproduct of that is that you are going to get fit and then you will no longer be one of the fat people, although you'll probably be one of the fat people inside forever. It's different than heroin. Hey, don't pick up the heroin. Hey, don't do drugs. Hey, don't eat is harder because it's, it's about coming to terms with his level of hearing impairment. The point I'm trying to make is, is that he had something to work with 
And to, to get rid of it altogether, I think, was contrary to purpose. It was about embracing who you are and trying to maintain a not a new, different, better lifestyle, but to, I mean, did he have to become a completely new person? Why put a qualifier on life, like that it's better or worse? I mean, you're going ahead and you're trying to make the best of it, regardless of where you're, where, where you're going. Look, there are definitely stickier addictions than DA or AA. Like, yeah, those are pretty cut and dry. You drink, you're off the wagon. Like you shoot up heroin, you've crossed the bottom line. Like overeating or even to a certain extent, debtors anonymous, like you got to buy stuff, you got to eat. You have to have relationships in life. But every single one of these addictions, regardless of their manifestations, are about accepting who you are inside or allowing for the possibility that you're okay. Okay, I've got it. Remy the rat from Ratatouille is hugely overweight. Remy is like his brother, but with a refined palate. And he goes into Overeaters Anonymous and he's just like, I love food so much. The byproduct is that I'm I'm hugely overweight. And they were like, well, this is the place for you. You need to develop a healthy relationship with food. And he loses a bunch of weight and says, I'm going to chase my dream and become a gourmet chef. And they're like, mm, okay, well, this place isn't for you anymore. And so the rat underworld rejects him, let's say. And he well, goes to the world of Gusto, but he... A little bit of a bit... tricky place to for, for a rat with an eating disorder... But sometimes in addiction, you realize that you're pursuing a certain career or whatever in life is kind of part and parcel with you not being okay with who you are. Oh, my God. Why are we still talking about this? He's a musician, for God's sake. He can recapture some of the magic. Yeah, but being he... a musician is not who he is. Like It's he not his is... spark? Well, Rube... Ruben's just a dude and and being a musician is one part of what you what you do to express yourself but being a musician doesn't define you doesn't define him. I feel like the message was hearing is bad okay in an ultra stripped down ultimate sense of the word. Who is going to agree with a message that hearing is bad? Exactly, which is why I think this movie's message was a little bit strange and a little bit off-putting. Who's going to argue with me? Come at me, bro. No one's going to argue with you because no one, nobody is going to say that the sound, that sound of metal's message is that hearing is bad. <laughs> That's because the people who would disagree can't hear me right now. Wow. This review reminds me of The Farewell, where we talk a lot more about whether it's okay to lie to your nine-eye than the filmmaking itself. But that's not a bad indicator, and it doesn't necessarily say anything about Sound of Metal, which I think, as a matter of wrapping this review up, is a good. Wes? I absolutely think this is an all right movie. It clears the bar. The performances were tremendous. I liked that we were along for a journey where we learned something also. We were exposed to a world given a different perspective than we would ordinarily have. I think the message got a little bit muddy. It was frustrating beyond what I think the level of filmmaking intended. I get that we were supposed to experience that and feel sadness and feel horror and frustration at his inability to hear while we were still getting auditory input from this movie. I get all that. I just felt like they didn't really lay out what inclusivity and acceptance for hearing impaired people should be. I really liked watching Sound of Metal. It didn't crush me emotionally 
and my frustration was a little bit, I think, outside the contained, focused frustration that they wanted me to have, that I would be outraged that movies were, not all movies are subtitled, that I would be outraged that a lot of experiences are still denied, those who are hearing impaired. I think subtitles are a great thing. I think ASL uh, interpreters should be attached to every time someone speaks in the world or in media. I'm all for it. Um, I feel like this movie maybe missed the mark in the 11th hour in telling me how I should feel. Thank you for listening to my podcast. Our podcast. And there you got it. An all right from Wes, a good from Iris. That's our review on Amazon Original Sound of Metal. Tell us, do you think that being inclusive means letting people walk all over you? And do you think that hearing is bad? 818-835-0473 or whatevermovies at gmail.com. We'd like to know. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Ravelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electricast Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.